Recorded live. I'm going to open up with Psalm 53. Okay. Psalm 5.3. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand, that did seek God. Every one of them has gone back. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Have the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread? They have not called upon God. There were they in great fear, where no fear was, for God hath scattered the bones of him that encamps against thee. Thou hast put them to shame, because God has despised them. Oh, that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion, when God bringeth back the captivity of his people, Jacob shall rejoice, and Israel glad. Heavenly Father, we do come before you this evening in fellowship and rejoicing, Lord, in that promise that you made unto Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, Israel. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to fellowship with those that are yours who have come to the knowledge of the truth that they are Israel. They are those who are the people that you chose to be a blessing to the world. We thank you, Father, for that. We thank you for the opportunity to be the servants that you commissioned us to be. Father, I know that your people are not altogether mindful of what that commission is and that they are the commissioned people. Father, we continue to pray that their eyes will be opened. We continue to ask for your guidance as we come into contact with them and show them the truth in your word about who they are. Father, we continue to seek your name and your face for all that we do and all that we seek to do in your name. And we thank you for the blessing of your son to bring us back to you, to redeem us. As your, your word tells us in Jeremiah 3.8, you divorced us, you cast us off. And the law of God forbid you from reuniting with your bride, who was Israel. And so you came in the flesh to redeem them and to bring them back unto you as a husband and a bride. So, Father, we thank you for that son, that gift, that redemption. We thank you for looking out over your people, wherever they are, those that are not with us tonight, but those that we continue in prayers for and fellowship with that are just unable to be here tonight. So, Father, we thank you for them, and we pray that their lives continue to be blessed and that you watch over everything that they do. And, Father, I thank you for a blessed trip that you gave us to get back home and and to see all of aunts and remaining uncles. And, Father, we lost an uncle, and I pray for Aunt Marcella, Lord, that, that she find peace and calm in that husband that she just lost yesterday. And, Lord, we we made a, a trip to make sure that we had an opportunity to tell those aunts how we loved them and how we 
wish that we could be more uh, to them and spend more time around them. So, Father, just pray for your continued blessing upon her and giving her peace and calm in this time of loss. And, Lord, we know that you will. We know that you're uh, with them. And, Father, we know that they all love you and they all worship you, our King, Creator, and Redeemer. In Jesus' name, we ask these things and give this prayer and rejoicing up to your ears. Amen. So I just thought that that was kind of the good uh, psalm there as I think about the evildoers and the ungodly man and as we see him from day to day out here in the society, continue to watch them do their evil deeds and their evil works, they're getting pretty bad and pretty bold, aren't they, Russell? Yes. Um, do you remember the prayer that Pastor Peters used to pray uh, about the peace that passes all understanding? Yeah. Well, I was I was thinking about that statement, <clears throat> and that's pretty powerful because, and that means you can't understand it, doesn't it? When you say passes uh, uh, all understanding. I mean, do you remember that phrase? Yeah, it's it's scriptural. It's a benediction. Yeah, is it in Isaiah or it's somewhere? Well, in no, I I think that's probably more a reference to Philippians uh, chapter four, uh, verse seven. Let me uh, see if I got that right, but I believe yeah. that's. Uh, I need. I need to hear that because I heard somebody say it on uh, some recording, and I, I think it, it said beyond the uh, beyond. Well, the here line. it is. Uh, here it is on uh, of of uh, Philippians chapter four. Now, this is of course is the letter of of uh, Paul to the uh, Philippians in in chapter 4. It's basically a summary and and a benediction. It's a blessing, you know, uh, essentially Uh being being prayed upon those that you're amongst and so forth. And if you go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, probably, yeah, we can start. We can start. Go ahead. Can you read it for me? Yeah, I will. All right. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Okay. Finally. Uh, Go ahead. Was that all of it? 
Well, that's all of that um, of that particular uh, uh, part of Philippians chapter four. That's in actually, uh, um, yeah, four seven is where that particular phrase is is at. So go ahead. Well, it's really uh, made an impression on me, and uh, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension or understanding. And um, what what got me there is, is the the uh, the scope of this peace of God. In other words, no no human being can comprehend it. Is that what you read? Well, what Paul is, I guess, to give an analytical or a commentary on the scripture would be that he's 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 exhorting them. He's exhorting his hearers and those that he's written a letter to. That uh, typically, what happened is those letters would be read aloud amongst a, a church, uh, you know, organization or a home church and so forth of those in that area. And, you know, he says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So taking ourselves back to the time, we find that um, uh, Paul is exhorting them to when in time of trouble and conflict, uh, keep in prayer and supplication, uh, make those requests known to God. And and then he says, that peace, just let that peace, which is yours to have and which is yours offered by, you know, the knowledge of Christ's sacrifice. And he says, let that peace, which passes all of our understanding. How How can we comprehend that? How can we comprehend those who who let that peace come over them so that they were not afraid of what man would do unto them? They were not embittered by what man was going to, you know, was doing or anything else to them. Um, that's the peace which passes the understanding. It's It's just a, think of those martyrs who were later martyred at stakes and so forth that, that, Instead of crying out, and uh, they they basically rejoiced and gave thanks to the Lord, even though what was happening to them was excruciatingly painful, and and so I that's my sense of what he's he's saying. Maybe you've you're thinking that it was meant in in a different way or something. I don't know, but I I sense what you're telling me is, is that peace is is a great peace. <laughs> It's uh it's an it's a it's a gift it sounds like. And it's one that has no logic in terms of human logic. Yeah. So so it's uncomprehensible for us. And that to me is a is a reinforcement of the deity and 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 the greatness of God. We can't even understand this peace that he gives us. So, but it says here we are to embrace it. I mean, we accept it. 
So a lot of times uh, I was just thinking, a lot of times we we think we can figure things out about God. And sometimes he may not necessarily care if we understand or not. Uh, and that's what makes him God. That's well, and and that's what he's called unto us to understand and recognize. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the and, irony. Yeah. So when when we when we recognize it, then we can fully grasp it and believe it and trust in it. Um, that really passes all understanding too, because uh, um, as Christ Himself said, there'll be many who will say in that day, "Lord, Lord, did we not do this? Did we not do that? Did we not cast out demons in Your name?" And He's going to say, "Depart from me. He never knew you." And and it, it's because of the way they've lived and practiced, because he says, you who practice lawlessness. So, well, um, Let me give you two examples that came to mind that, for me, are in this category, is communion and baptism. Amen. It surpasses all my understanding. However, like you just said, the irony of this is, you understand what you need to do you understand that he said do it that's your understanding and you don't have to know the physics and the mechanisms and the the whole you always you're famous for this the parent child relationship here uh the kids cannot comprehend some things early in life you, they just need to do what you tell them. Yeah. And and they receive a piece that they don't understand. And so uh, when we do communion, I can't I can't pat myself on the back and say, "Man, we've got this thing all figured out." I just read it and I do it and I do what those words say. In, mem- in remembrance, this is why we do it. We remember the we remember what Jesus told his disciples to remember. Right. And the same thing with baptism. It, it doesn't have to be complicated. It's just if it's doable, and you know you need to do it, you do it. Yeah, you know, we were talking on the on the drive since we had many many hours to drive. Um, guest five here with the Gideon Warrior Radio Network. I do appreciate you stopping by. I uh, don't know if you are um, doesn't look as if you're hooked up by computer, so you may be hooked up by phone. We do have chat available, and Jimmy K. Uh, do want to remind you again, there is a chat window that is available. If you don't have it, you can download it uh, through TalkShoe. Uh, it should show up on the page, and you can click on it, and it will download. And uh, we'll have an opportunity then to at least chat with you if you're not mic'd up and stuff. But uh, anyhow, we are just open fellowship. Uh, this is what we do here at, at Gideon Warrior Network. Shame on me, Doug, because... Yeah. I did not complete the sentence. Go ahead. Verse 7. And this peace that we can't understand 
shall guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So that's comforting, isn't it? Yes, it is. Okay, well, I just wanted to express that before I forgot it. Jimmy K., welcome into the fellowship here. And uh, we've got a guest that's coming in as guest five. And I know that I have also linked uh, the Gideon Warrior Network to some of the other um, talk show uh, Israelite identity groups that I've noticed on the talk show. I've tried to do a little search. uh, um, And uh, uh, anyhow, um, so... I've linked them, Eli James and and Wickstrom and a, a couple of the others that I've I've managed to come across as well. And so we do hope that they might enjoy joining us on an open fellowship periodically when f- fill in the blanks in between. And we may not agree on everything, um, as Pastor Earl Jones used to uh, say to us. Um, the one unique thing about those in the identity. Uh, group or those who understood their biblical identity at least um, you know we're unique in that we're not we're not locked in by doctrine we have an opportunity to at least sit down and air and discuss the things that um, that we are coming to learn and have knowledge of and so forth and to discuss them with at least an open enough mind that we might have opportunity to learn from one another or in fact, have something be taught us um, that we need to know, that we don't currently know. And I don't claim to be all knowledgeable, but I do know this much. Uh, The Bible was written to a people, and that people is the Jacob-Israel line of descendants. And I know and understand from that biblical record that God was willing to bless them, if they would abide in him, and he was willing to curse them if they disobeyed him. And nothing changed at the advent of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ um, other than the fact that he had redeemed his people. His law is still as applicable, and so now I'll segue into what I was going to say, which is as we were traveling, we were talking about the law and the many, many aspects of the law that if applied today, you know, and I know, Russell, you and those that fellowship in the past uh, with us and everything else, we know these things, and sometimes it's like being redundant. But I think for our children's sake, it's important we keep visiting them occasionally and reminding them of, of the blessings that are in those laws. You know, one of the examples that we were talking about was a thief and how when he steals, you know, it's it's restitution, not, not incarceration. And that restitution is one to five times. Um, now, if he doesn't have anything that he can repay you with, then he goes into involuntary servitude. And, uh, you know, so as we continue to think about God in his uh, his his word his laws um it's just it's one of these things that passes all understanding you know because 
the do-gooder out there today, you know, that wants to say, oh, we should not, you know, kill the murderer or the rapist or, you know, the uh, any of the other uh, violations that require a death penalty, you know, they, they just feel like you got to, you know, you got to lock them up. And, and, of course, that years and years of uh, appeals and so forth and everything else prolongs the actual penalty and it beholdens, uh, emboldens, I should say, those those evildoers to, to do more or even those who are contemplating it to go ahead with their actions. And God designed it all so that they would see this and they would no more do any such evil when these judgments were executed speedily. And um, so it's just... Another one of the things that you know we found ourselves talking about again, but I don't need to belabor that issue. But um, anyhow, um, it's another thing that, in my mind, is just like what you're saying, Russell, where it passes all understanding. People don't want to accept the fact that you can actually stop a lot of criminal activity by imposing and instituting God's laws and judgments because they work, but they never get a chance to work in most uh, societies because they don't want them to work. Because if they did work, then look at all the lawyers that would be out of business. Look at all the social workers that would be out of work. Look at, all, look at how government itself would no longer uh, almost be necessary in many instances. So, um, you know, this is... This is the state of affairs in Babylon. Uh, James uh, K, uh, he said it's James H. It popped up as James K, so uh, he said it's James H. And uh, he's on the chat now, so if he has any thoughts or anything he uh, would like to discuss uh, with us tonight or at any time that he joins, uh, he certainly is able to click a little bit of those uh, keys and let us know what he's thinking or what kind of thoughts he wants to share with us. And our guest five uh, still hasn't uh, done anything with the chat yet, but he has an opportunity to load a a chat uh, capability there as well. Uh, And again, he could be just listening by phone and be at work or anything else and got it plugged into his ear. Okay, well... uh... I have another thought, Doug. Oh, that could be James Horn, but I don't, he didn't he didn't say that, but um Jeremiah just prompted me that that could be James Horn. So, uh if so, um uh just give me a thumbs up or say yes, James, if that's you. Uh anyhow, Russell, go ahead. Uh since we're in Philippians chapter 4. Yeah. Verse 13. Okay. I I shall read this. We've all thought it a million times. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Okay, so that's a source of power. That's kind of like a a very valuable piece of knowledge right there. And I was wondering what you thought of for what through him means. There you go. 
You you wondered what I thought of what what meant? The words through him. All right, in the King James it says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And uh, you're reading from what? Uh, New American Standard. Okay, so New American Standard. And, of course, if you go further up, you see that where the subject, if you will, in this particular thing is uh, the great uh, sacrifice and so forth. So it is referring to Christ. So the King James actually uses the words through Christ, which strengthened me, and and the New American Standard just translated it uh, through him, which strengthens me. Big change, isn't it? Well, yeah, but grammatically, you know, and I don't have the original text, of course, so I guess I don't have anything that I can offer per se on that, but um, uh, whether, again, it's one of these things in translations where a translator decided to use Christ and another translator decided to just use him because the subject matter was already, you know, uh, evident and use the word him. So, um, I mean, it can be a big deal or it can be, you know, for language experts and so forth, it's, I guess, probably not a big deal. But to you, you're sitting there going, well, it would have said something to me if it said through Christ rather than through him. Is that what you mean? I just prefer the word Christ. Yeah, yeah. Right, that's a that could you know very well be a, a better translation. Um, and like I say, I don't know uh, what was used there, other than translators themselves felt it necessary to actually delineate or not delineate. So I don't know what the actual word was, or or if it was just added by the translators themselves or what I don't know so um, I I, want to throw this out there for you to chew on in my uh, in my lofty Latin dictionary the word through means on account of okay Uh so put that in your algebraic expression. Yeah, I can do all things on account of Christ, which strengthens me. Yeah. Uh And it's it's the same thing, because on account of him and what he showed us the way and how he showed us um, that he is indeed the God of all creation, the Redeemer of Israel, um, that is a strength. And and is supposed to be a strength to us to not fear man and not fear the face of man nor what man can do. I was just looking. I've got a footnote on on uh, that as well. I was just going to check that footnote and see what it was referring to. It refers to John chapter 15, verse 5. And I'll just run over there quick and look at that. John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. 
He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. So, there is the cross-reference to John 15.15 that basically is showing Christ himself stating to us that your power is through him. And I agree, it's a big power. So, uh, would to God that his people would recognize that power once again and, and again turn the world upside down. Well, it's uh, interesting here that there's a relationship between strength, the word strength, and the word barrel, barrel. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Virility? Between strength. Strength between and virility. Oh, virility. Yeah, virile. Virile, yeah. Yeah, virile. Uh, let me just read this. It it translates with the Latin word V-I-S. Uh, actually, V-I-R, E-L, then to V-I-S. Power, strength. Force, influence, energy, and we're 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 thinking about the word strength. By the way, as I read this, hostile force, violence, attack, amount, quantity, meaning, force, binding force, value, amount, large number of large amount, uh, the whole range of the sum total. Forcibly in itself, intrinsically, summa v with utmost energy by force to do violence to, to, to kill, to take one's own life, to make an assault, to be equivalent. These are all pertaining to viral, virus, uh, potency. In other words, the ability to get it done. So I was just thinking we have this promise to receive all this power, but it only comes one way, right, Doug? Yeah. And it doesn't come through Satan, does it? No, it comes through our Redeemer. But a lot of people hold with the opinion that Satan empowers people, don't they? Yeah. I mean this other entity, Satan. I'm not I'm not talking about just the, our our enemy. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm gonna leave that one now. I just was curious what your thoughts were on that on that scripture right there. Well, it's a benediction, like I say, and uh, it's uh, it's full of full of that that promise that that we have that says that that he's our strength, he's our guide, he's, uh, and that's what God's been telling us all along. You know, if you trust Him, you trust in His ways, you trust in His will over your will, 
and you abide in him as that, you know, uh, abiding in that vine, uh, <clears throat> then you have strength and power. And it's no different. Let's look at the parent-child relationship again. In the parent-child relationship, all of the instruction that you give the child <clears throat> is to be a part of the vine. If that child is is resisting in a way that um, uh, is problematic to grow on the vine, then not abiding in the will, not abiding in the way of the parent, then that becomes a problem. And... That's what I was going to say. Uh, Pastor Peters also taught me this technique when you're reading scripture. I can do nothing without him who strengthens me. You look at it in another direction. You're you're powerless without him. And that's that's a... Another way to look at it, and it explains a lot of things, doesn't it? Both ways. Well, yeah, you know, and it's just like that thing I was reading out of the Kabbalah, um, you know, I don't know, a couple, three weeks ago, and and I just pulled it up real quick because it, it reminded me of something, you know, when you said power from Satan and so forth, and um, this is from Professor A.E. Waite, who's a professor of theology, and <clears throat> this is what he said on page 286 in his analysis of the Holy Kabbalah. Um, he says, quote, The serpent showed Adam all the pleasures of the world. These intimations depend from a thesis which recurs many times from the Zohar. And the Zohar, of course, is a book from the Talmud. It is testified by the colleagues, meaning the rabbis, that the fall of man was one of sin with a woman. In the normal sense which attaches this expression, it is added almost immediately that sexual desires have caused all evils, but a correction or modification follows in the course of debate, namely that, in themselves, sexual desires, they are neither good or evil, according, or excuse me, they are good or evil, according to the, quote, spirit which inspires them. Now, this is just another example of how Talmudic Judaism, Holy Kabbalah, has perverted and polluted and drawn in these, uh, these, um, these things into... Uh, and I believe that's how they've actually crept into Christianity is because the belief that people have that these that call themselves Jews are God's chosen people. Um, this, this statement here is just so bizarre in their Kabbalah. And again, when you read it, how it says, the serpent showed Adam all the pleasures of the world. These intimations depend from a thesis which recurs many times from the Zohar. You see, that's very important. So what Waite is saying is that 
these things that they're talking about and they refer to in the Kabbalah, they have a thesis which comes from the Zohar, the book of the Talmud. And uh, he says, uh, uh, continuing, it says, seeing that it is to Eve that sin of a sexual order was first imputed, the question is, who instructed or initiated her? The answer is that the serpent, Samael, had carnal relations with her and injected her, his defilement, into her. Adam not being affected until she communicated in turn with him, she cohabitated with Samael, who corrupted her, and by him she became with child, bringing forth Cain. End of quote. Now, a footnote from A.E. Waite here says, quote, The story of this cohabitation is of Talmudic origin and will be found in the track Sabbath. Among other places, it is also of rabbinic authority otherwise and is stated by R. Abram de Seba in his commentary on the Pentateuch. The Midrash affirms both Adam and Eve were defiled by the serpent. Finally, it is mentioned categorically in the paraphrase of Jonathan Ben-Huziel that when Adam knew his wife, she had conceived already of the angel Samael, the snake serpent. Apparently, as a result of the dual intercourse, she brought forth Cain. End of quote. So here we have A.E. Waite saying specifically that this whole thing comes from the Talmud. And yet we have essentially we find our people even believing a lot of this, just as we've discussed the seed line doctrine in the past and so forth, and believing it, but really not professing the seed line doctrine because they seem to think they're smart enough to not want to profess the seed line doctrine. But you know, here here is Professor Waite saying the story of this cohabitation is of Talmudic origin. Of Talmudic origin. So why would we want to take something from Talmudic or origin and hold it as gospel or theological doctrine to us? So it is and it can be supported and substantiated and 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 fed to us in ways that we we almost come to the conclusion that we have to believe it because there's so much supporting, you know, there's so much supporting it. But I just find myself continually asking the question, you know, those who know what Judaism is and know what is in the Talmud and so forth, to hold up then a doctrine or a theology and the story of this, you know, cohabitation of Eve being of Talmudic or origin, then we hold it up as being doctrine and gospel that we as Christians should support and so forth. And it's very difficult to undo some of the thinking. And as I say, much of it is done in a way that's very convincing and it's very believable and it seems like it's supported and substantiated with 
mountains of, of, of information and documentation that has long been, you know, hidden from us and not revealed or, you know, things of that nature. Um, continuing in the Holy Kabbalah from A.E. Waite's writing on it, quote, another, another account or the authority of Rabbi Eliezer recurs to the earlier thesis specifying that Cain was begotten of the serpent, but that after intercourse with Adam, Eve had conceived again and so brought two sons into the world, one of the works of the serpent and one the works of Adam, the image of Abel from on high and Cain from below, end quote. Well, Russell, you and I have beat this around and beat this around, and I keep asking, can I go back to it, Russell? Well, Genesis chapter four. You know, when I God says, "Read the scripture." Chapter. 4. Yeah. Yeah. And so when God sees his wife, and she conceived and brought forth Cain, and said, "I have gotten a man from God." What more is there to add or take away from that? I. And, and I keep asking. Well, let's go to go to Genesis four uh, eight. Cain talked with Abel his brother. It came to pass when they were in the field. Cain rose against Abel his brother and slew him. The Lord said unto Cain, or Yahweh said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood cries unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth? which has opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tills the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto her its strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shall thou be in the earth. And Cade said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one that finds me shall slay me. Well, what I really meant to do uh, is I meant to go back to Genesis 3. Um, or did I skip over it? Open well, your mouth. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I want to go back to the sacrifice. That's what I wanted to go back to. Sorry. Can, uh, Genesis 3. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, No, it's Genesis 4. I just went too far down. Adam knew his wife Eve, which you just said. And in the process of a time, uh, Genesis 4-3, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground offering unto the Lord. And Abel also he brought of the firstlings of his flock unto the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? And if thou dost not well, sin lies at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. So I have to ask this question over and over in my mind, which is, why on earth would God have a desire to say to Cain, Cain, 
you son of the serpent, you son of the devil, you son of Samael, you know, according to the Talmud and the Kabbalah and the recordings therein, um, then, then why, why would he say to him, unto Cain and his, or why would he say, if you do well, shall you not be accepted? He would have no, he would have no desire for Cain to be accepted. Yeah. He was essentially offering to Cain, if you do what is right, won't your offering be accepted also? And the death penalty was clearly due here to Cain, and God did not slay him. He gave him reprieve. And as I say in Jasher, it seems as if Cain was repentant and did cry out, and perhaps that's why God gave him that reprieve. And as far as uh, James writes a, a note and says there's no mention of Cain in the genealogy of Jesus, well, that's not uncommon for you to not refer... If you had a bad son, would you want to refer to him in your genealogy? I mean, the genealogy for Jesus doesn't actually come through Cain. It comes through Seth. So to refer to that genealogy, to me, is not striking or or anything. But again, like I say, if you if you have the knowledge that these things come from Talmudic origin... Mm-hmm. Why do that, you know? Why do we just automatically grab it and say that we want to hold that as a doctrine? That's problem one for me. And then problem two, as I say, I keep coming back to this. And I, who will somebody answer me the question? Why would God, knowing that Cain is a cursed seed, um? Show mercy. Show mercy to a cursed seed. Why Why wouldn't he eliminate it? And again, the whole biblical context of the Bible is God wants us to be right with him in his order and his creative um, uh, uh, will to operate in this creation and this earth in the manner in which he has desired for us to. And uh-huh. yet we're constantly shown that it was our sins, not the sins of of a all-powerful spiritual being that is causing us this great tribulation. And again, we had that discussion when we were kind of in the Satan series that we did early on in Fellowship, is um, if... if um, we learn in the book of Job that God said he caused all that to happen to Job. So even though we have in the translation the word Satan, which as it's um, defined, and and you define the word, it means adversary. If God wants to raise up an adversary, um, he can raise up an adversary. So I, you know, these things, I'm still, you know, trying to... um, you know, continue to listen to the things that that are available, and 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 um, 
you know, I guess some people are willing to cast you off because you appear to be a a no devil doctrine, you know, theology or whatever. Uh, I I'm expressing um, that I still see a lot of concern in it, and I'm trying to address the concern in the best way I know how with the limited knowledge and the limited resources that I have at my disposal. And um, James uh, dropped another note here. He says it does seem important to Luke, uh, but that's not what I'm saying, James. I'm not saying that genealogy is not important. I'm saying that the reference to genealogy of Christ coming through Seth is important. It's not coming through the lineage of those that Cain might have as his progeny. Um, that I'm not saying that you know I don't I don't know if if that gave a wrong implication or something, but it, it is important the genealogy and the lineage of Christ coming through Seth. It doesn't come through Cain, but just because it's not mentioned doesn't necessarily mean that. Uh, you know, Cain is uh, uh, he said it does I know I know he said he seems important. That's what I said, Jeremiah. It does seem important to Luke. Yes, it is important to Luke. He's expressing the genealogy of Christ. It's not as if Christ was saying uh, that Christ's lineage or excuse me, that Luke was uh, writing about Christ's lineage and saying, it was not important that it comes through the line of Seth. It was important. And I don't disregard that. I, I don't know that I've said anything that should imply that. Um, but again, I ask the question and nobody dares to answer the question. Why would God, faced in the situation in Genesis 4, would he not say, you dirty son of the devil, and slam him to death. I that defies logic. That defies um, you know. Is God incapable of killing one who does wickedly? And the answer to that is absolutely not. The biblical record is full of it, including his own people. He spared David in his sin because David was a man after his heart. And that's what matters. What matters is, is our heart right with God? Are we living in accordance with his will? And can we make a mistake and be forgiven for it? Where am I going wrong, uh, James, Russell? Because I really have a problem with this as I try to grapple with these things, you know, week after week, and trust me, I have been grappling with them and continue to grapple with them, and I have prepared a message here that is totally contrary. Russell, uh, James says, what's that? I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I got a little taste of your of your uh, thinking on the 4th of July, and I can't say I disagree with you. Uh, I think you're right on the money. Uh, those that call good 
evil and evil good. Uh, We have been conditioned to think that that Constitution is a doctrine from heaven. And that's a pile of poo-poo. Because nowhere in that doctrine does it put uh, God or Jesus Christ on the throne. To my knowledge, I don't want to change the subject matter, but uh, you, you had written me something about the 4th of July, and uh, I tend to agree with you. Oh, yeah, and the email that I sent out to the brethren, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I guess that's just the way my heart felt that particular weekend, because, uh, <clears throat> um, you know, or, yeah, that weekend, I guess, when I wrote that, because uh, um, it's a time where this nation has for so long, you know, reveled in their their party, if you will, and it's another one of these things that that the party is now, and you hear it. As we were traveling, we heard, Happy Fourth of July. Happy Fourth of July. And I, I said to a few of these people, I says, well, it's not a fourth that should be making you happy. It is that you have gained independence. This Mm -hmm. was a celebration of independence from a tyrant king. And that just shows, again, how much we've lost in terms of reality over what a day is. You know, or... I'm still confused on where it is in the Bible that it says all men are created equal. Is that is that scriptural? <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> uh, I don't think it is. I don't think me and Trump were born under the same circumstances. Uh, or me and this king of England, this Prince, what's his name? Harry. Uh, was I born the same way he was? I don't think so. So what does that mean, all men are created equal? What does that mean? That means equality, doesn't it? It doesn't say all men have the same potential. It says all men are created equal. Well, you have you can't. I guess the phraseology shouldn't be broken apart at the word equal. And I would give the writer of the Declaration the benefit of the doubt on his intention or his meaning. And based on what I've read from the um, well, well, I know the, he meant no. Nobody's any better than anybody else. Yeah under the law. It shouldn't matter. But the fact uh, yeah. is that lie. In America, it's whoever has the most money gets the most justice. Well, that's what it's become. Even James said he agrees with the email, too, and the founding fathers didn't follow God's laws to the T. Uh, man-made laws are, again, flawed and uh, we all have arms, two legs, ha-ha, we're equal. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, but, um, 
James had a thought back on Kane, and he said, and I'll just deviate back to that, and then I'll come back to your 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 conversation about the floor. He said, if Cain was not of Adam and Eve, and Abel was killed, who was to carry on the genealogy of Jesus and also the genealogy of true Israel? Well, that's not hard at all to me because God can do whatever he wants to do. Remember, that's what he told the Pharisees. He said, don't think that you have to yourselves Abram as your father, and that's what makes you... Um, something special or whatever, or that puts you in a specific place or or whatever. He, in the case of Cain and Abel, in fact, um, on one of the conversations that we had on that, James, was that when you look at a couple of the other different translations, I believe it was the Amplified, uh, King James, uh, New American Standard, I may have had Young's Literal, I don't remember which all I had, and I had all four or five of those up at once, and I was looking at the footnotes and so forth regarding that. And it appears to me that really what's being said in Genesis 4, under Cain, he says, uh, Why art thou wroth, and why is that in, in 4.7? If thou does well, shall thou not be accepted, and if thou does not well, sin lies at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. I believe that what some of, the, some of the commentaries are saying about that, James, and so forth, is that we have what is commonly mistaken, I think, in language and so forth, is that we have made the subject Cain and Abel, but God has a different subject here, and the subject is what he sees happening with with Cain. Cain was the eldest, and as Russell pointed out, she says that she's got a man from the Lord. This doesn't say that she cohabitated with Samael. I know that's what the Zohar says in the Talmud, but um, she says she got a man from God. She got a man from Yahweh. And then she said, it says that she bare uh, his brother Abel. So Cain was the eldest. And it appears that what was going on here in God's sight was he was seeing the jealousy that was brewing between Cain and Abel, and especially as it pertained to the acceptance of the offering. And so in this scripture here where it says, Why are, uh, and if thou dost not, not well, sin lies at the door, most people have read that as and unto thee shall be his desire. And what? Sin shall be his desire? But it appears that what is happening in the proper language here is that unto thee shall be his desire, meaning Abel's going to go up higher than him, and he's going to go down lower, and thou shalt rule over him. So he's trying to tell him, if you do well, you have to... And many people say you got to master sin is what God was saying to him. I don't disagree with that. He does say you you got to do well. You got to master this. And so my point is is that I don't want to beat it too long here again. But if if Cain was the eldest, genealogy would come through through Cain. But um, in in the case of the twins Esau and Jacob. Who came out first? 
And God, though, had decided who the the promise was going to go on to, and it was not to Esau. So I don't see that as any kind of a conflict or a problem anyway. In this case here, Cain had forfeited his right by his actions. Similarly, who was the other one that forfeited his? Uh, who was the eldest of Jacob? Um, uh, Reuben. Reuben. The eldest of Jacob, he was a. Uh, what did he do? Um, uh, he wanted to kill Joseph. Huh? I think he wanted to kill Joseph. Yeah, he did. He he was instrumental in that, but he also did something uh, of a cohabitational thing. Uh, I was trying. I'm trying to think. Uh, drawing a blank. Jeremiah, can you help me on that at all? Um, uh, I have no idea I'm thinking, though. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, Reuben, as as the eldest, he did something also. But, so anyhow, um, and yes, he's still a son of Israel, but I guess my point is is that he was an eldest, and in, it seems to me, as I recall, as he... Uh, is referred to in the genealogy and so forth, um, his his proclivities and so forth didn't fare well for him in terms of of how he turned out as a son, I guess. And um, so, I, again, I'm just saying that I don't see that as a conflict. Uh, um, yeah, God hated Esau before he was born. So uh, what is Satan's desire? Sin, yeah. Yeah, um, I get all that. Well, we'll have to, you know, James, it would be nice to probably continue to have some fellowship with you and, and banter around um, uh, much of what I've, you know, been uh, um, reviewing as well as what you've been reviewing because I know you have. and uh, And, you know, try to try to get things straightened out, I guess. But um, as I say, I, it wasn't necessarily my intention maybe to get into that. Uh, but if everybody wants to, we certainly can. But it's uh, it'd be better to hear you, James, rather than to try to type back and forth. But um, uh, as far as, uh, you know, this 4th of July thing, it's... it's uh, it's another one of these things that the people don't understand. Um, the people don't respect what it was all about. Uh, they they know many of them, most of them. There's only a small remnant that could uh, could actually uh, acknowledge that there was a day where we, as a people of God, who came to these shores practice what we preached and that was the word of God and his laws were implemented and in many cases were the constitution by which they lived for 150 years before we ever had a quote constitution um, so um, I, I'm not sure what your questions mean to me, uh, James. So, what is Satan's desire? Satan's desire is sin. 
Um, God hated Esau before he was born. Um, uh, yeah, no, I got you. I got you. I got you, James. Yeah, it, and there wasn't anything that we were really going for or had anything particular in mind. It's just when Russell mentioned that about about how uh, uh, how many people still are trying to blame Satan, um, whatever Satan is, um, instead of recognizing and acknowledging that that just like Russell started out with, they're the benediction that we heard pastors so often say, you know, which passes all understanding. And when we think of it passing all understanding to us, and we just were willing to attribute it to something else or to someone else as as opposed to, it's like the petulant child who who refuses to repent and consistently blames his activities on something else instead of just truly acknowledging, Dad, I did not do what you told me to do. I forsook your will. I forsook your way. Um and it just is like another escape constantly being put out in front of us and we spend our waking hours contemplating it so much instead of contemplating our propensity to sin and our propensity to violate the will that God has for us, which is to live according to to that which leads to life. Are you still there, Doug? I am. Reuben I just actually, have... Reuben actually, actually, Reuben actually saved Joseph's life and pleaded to shed no blood. So I don't know what we were thinking about there on Reuben. You had mentioned something. I thought you said Reuben. But it appears that Reuben was Jacob's firstborn. And apparently he he was uh, not as bad as the rest of the kids. Because they wanted to kill Joseph. Just a side note, that's all. All right, I kind of first, I kind of first missed what you said at the first. So you're saying that Reuben was the Reuben was, was the one that didn't want to kill him. Didn't want to kill. Yeah, he spared his life. Actually. Did not, did not. Okay. No, it has something to do with something. Uh, uh, he went in to lay with his father's concubine, didn't he? Well, now, that I'm not sure about. 
All right. Well, we're just going to go find that. That's in Genesis. I'm going to go. And I think I can spot that in my Bible. And another thing is, remember how I pointed out one time on solutions, I think it was probably when it was, I may have spoke about it before. It was interesting to me that as I looked at Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, there were six sons who were of natural unions who were on the blessing side, and the six sons of the unnatural unions were on the curses side. And that came to me several years ago in study, and um, I thought that was very, very interesting, to me anyway. Um, uh, Let's see, 35, uh, 35, let's see, Jacob's descendants came to pass when Israel dwelt in the land that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard it. Now the sons of Jacob were 12. Now that's all that it says. Um, this is in Genesis chapter 35, verse 22. It says... Uh, that's... Uh, uh, that's interesting because the concubine was a camp for ideas. Well, now consider you. Um, I'd have to go back. Is is Bill? Is Billa? Was Billa his mother? Reuben. Yeah. No. No. Wait a minute. What am I thinking? Um, Reuben who was Reuben that is Jacob's firstborn yeah that, let's see Hamer let's see who but uh, he must not have been a son of Rachel Leah mm-hmm. no he was not a son um of of uh, Rebecca, is it? Uh, Leah. Leah. Oh, Leah. Oh, you're saying Reuben was a son of Leah? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and I Leah was Leah was Rebecca's Leah was Rebecca's sister. Go ahead, Jeremiah. Um, I think Billa or whatever is who you're looking for for the reference. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just looking quick to see where the birth of uh, Reuben is. And uh, let's see. Uh, Dinah, the daughter of Leah, which she bare unto Jacob, went out and set the daughters of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamer, the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and defiled her. This is where Dinah is defiled in Uh, Genesis 34. 
the sons of Jacob came out. Okay, I'm too far. I think I'm too far back. Yeah, I think you need to go back to uh, 29. Yeah, Jacob. Uh, let's see. Uh, all right, I'm at 29. Yeah, okay. Uh, 29.32. Yeah. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, Surely the Lord has looked upon my affliction. All right, I misspoke. As far as it being they not of a natural union, Reuben was not of Rachel, which was Jacob's first love. And Leah was, was given by Laban first. Uh, Right, because that was she was the eldest girl, if I remember right. So, yeah. um, but it, it still was not a son from 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 uh, from Rebecca. Yeah, and so it was interesting to me to see how how that happened to be, where the sons that were on Ebal and the sons that were on Gerizim were separated in that fashion. Whether it has any significance or not, it was interesting to me. And um, But, again, let's see, where's, where's the story then of, well, I did have that in 35, where he went under his concubine. Um, so, I mean, that's what Reuben did. So Reuben showed some proclivities toward you know, not being able to, I don't know, I guess, uh, um, contain himself, that he had to go in unto Bilhah, you know, the one of Jacob's concubines, you know, and lie with her. So, he made bad decisions. Um, yeah, he, he wasn't good at making good decisions, let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> And and again, I guess I don't know where we got on that, but it's just another one of these things that, uh, you know, um, we have a lot of bad happenings and bad seed amongst the seed of Israel. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, let me switch gears before 9 o'clock. All right. The point we were talking about on July 4th, if uh, if we can convince the masses that the truth is a lie, we can control the masses. And so we get very little teaching on the Articles of Confederation in our our uh, government school system. But nobody has yet to explain to me who authorized these lawyers to do what they did that day and make this giant uh, new government that supposedly is so wonderful, the same government that we've had the, the Civil War under, and it was that constitution was walked all over during the Civil War. Uh, there's no constitutional authority whatsoever 
for the uh, United Nations wars that are perpetual in this country right now. That's not has that has nothing to do with a so-called godly document. The document enables them to do this. It's yeah. the source, uh, at least according to them. Absolutely, I agree. Yeah. And this crap going on and all over the world right now, you ask them, by what authority is this all going on? Oh, he's got the constitutional authority. There's not one person with a brain that didn't know that there was a there was a bunch of shenanigans in this whole electoral process. But everybody knew, well, at least he's better than her. Right? Yeah, at least a, a portion of them. Yeah. You know, he's not this, he's not that, but at least he's better than her. But back up and go through the the process that got, that got him where he was, there are certainly plenty of reasons to question this man's uh, integrity. Uh, slander being right at the top of the list. Uh, if I come up and I, I debate with Doug, and before the debate's over, I've renamed you Lying Doug, that's a slanderous term, isn't it? Isn't it, Lying Doug? Yeah, it's well, it's a label, and 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 I'm, and getting, ha- I'm yeah. getting really, really fed up with this. The people wanted a change of Obama health care. That's what they voted for. No, no, we didn't vote for change. The people spoke loudly. Get rid of it. And this clown with his calls himself whatever you want to call him. He was tooting his horn louder than anybody. Yeah, well, it's the worst thing, we've, worst piece of law we've ever had. And yet he continually wants to keep 95% of it and change 5% or 10%. The mandate was throw it in the trash. It's another stinking sorry entitlement program. And by the way, they've done so well with the veterans' health care, haven't they? Naturally, we would want them to take over all health care. So, you know, listen to these clowns. It was a clear mandate to to change Obamacare. And now even even, uh, Teddy Cruz seems like he's jumping on the boat. Uh, that's what they were elected to do is get rid of it. Well, and I've been thinking about that very thing. We talked about it on the way home a little bit, in fact, because if 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 they did not get it and did not understand what the people were intending to have done, I, I really, I really am wondering what the next election cycle will look like because it can only look like either the people are going to be so infuriated that they, in fact, massively sweep the country with 
removal of nearly every incumbent, or they're they're just going to flat out think the country's lost, and they're going to once again disengage. Those are really the only two the only two ways that I see it coming down in the future here. Absolutely. And what happens in the next three years and seven eight months is you know is just I, if I could give you answers to what I boy I wish I but, could tell you Teddy Cruz was the answer, but I don't think he was. I don't know that there is the way this system's set up. Uh, I don't see, you know, and I know this sounds uh, nihilistic, but how can a Christian man get through the county, um, the county quorum, even to get to the to the uh, state convention? Uh, he's got to come right out and condemn homosexuality. He's a decent human being. And uh, when Mr. Trump stood up there and embraced them, that was a sign. And I'll never forget what Mr. Nelson said. <laughs> this thing's not changing with God on the sideline. <laughs> And and you know, I could probably add something to that. This thing's not going to get changed with God sitting with God on the sideline, and it's not going to change as long as we keep holding up these that call themselves Jews as our advisors uh-huh. and our our holy chosen ones. Uh huh. Um, and so, see, and it seems to me that that was the message, part of the message that drew me to Pastor Peter so much was that that resonated well and said to me that the only way we succeed is understanding and acknowledging our commission, number one, and understanding who is not commissioned who is masquerading as they are commissioned mm-hmm. to do the job. Uh-huh. And, and so those two things, that, or I should say that, coupled with the fact that um, he seemed to understand and, and profess and, and teach that this kingdom is before us right now. And our job is to master the kingdom, if you will, and uh, and to usher in that king of kings to reign supreme. That um, So knowing who we are as Israel and knowing who is not Israel is, is paramount to the survival of the kingdom. <laughs> and that's just the way I see it. You make a very good point. All these people have thrown everything in for Trump. Can you imagine the look on their face if they find out he's dirty? And like you said, disenchantment would go through the land, wouldn't it? Yeah. And that's, of course, what those who... uh, 
um, um, James the Rothschild up, wouldn't it? Yeah, you know, uh, James uh, typed a note and said Teddy has uh, Judaism ancestry, and and I know I think James had kind of uh, prompted me to some of that back before the election. But this? Uh, you know, I, again, I look at it this way. You know, Teddy, as James says, has Judaism in his genealogy, but Trump has. Judaism or Jewry yeah. in his in his genealogy, Absolutely. you know his his wife married one for crying out loud, and um, so and again they're they're advising our people, and this is a problem. These people who are in these positions, they keep advising our people. If Donald Trump would make a clean sweep of the swamp, the first place I'd start with all the Jews in and around the camp, Washington, D.C. Absolutely. He's going to drain the swamp. He's going to drain the swamp, right? Yeah. And the first thing he does is fill it up with who? With the Uh, same advisors that people before did. Yeah. Uh, and so I would admonish anybody to do some research on the Trump family. They're not even sure that that name is correct. His daddy ran, his granddaddy ran a brothel. His daddy had many felony charges, political uh, bribery. And it's not hard to trick people into thinking you're one way when you're really not. But you know them by their fruits. That's how you know people, by their fruits. And um, they know how to play both sides against the middle, don't they, Doug? Yeah. Yeah, continually. So uh, it's hard for me to get excited about the system self-correcting itself. I I don't see it. Uh, You watch this Fox News station just for fun, and you see their whole reason for existing is to confuse you is to pretend like they're the good guys telling you the truth. And um, they don't have a problem with queers on Fox Network, do they? They've got queers working there that are on the air. This guy that owns Murdoch, what's his lineage? Uh, Hmm, take a wild guess. So anyway, it's nine oh eight, and I well, guess Well, Russell, you're just a religious zealot. I wish. I mean, that would, that would be an honor. Uh, I mean, think about those those guys, those disciples, man. 
Who was the one that was hung upside down? I think that was. Peter? I was going to say. I was going to say Peter. Yeah, I think that's who it was. I can kind of understand where he came to the conclusion, and I'm not even worthy to be crucified right side up. You know, after they take your life, then what can they do? That's about it. Yeah. I mean, they bury all the... uh, Old Santa Ana stuck them up like cordwood at the Alamo and burned them. But they're still alive all over this state. Everybody knows, uh, knows the letter from Travis. So, I mean, that spirit lives on. And basically, they just said, we're going to draw a line and we're not going to to take it anymore. We're not going to, we're just saying no to old Fanny Annie. Fanny Annie said, I will cut you down and that will be the end of you people. And uh, it didn't work. And the same thing's going on today. This is going to have to repeat itself some way, somewhere, where we all just say no and fight back. Just like they did at the Alamo. They just stood their ground and said no. And they lost, didn't they, Doug? In the short term. In the short term. When old Sandy Annie was having his way with that uh, mulatto, he forgot about these old guys coming after him, and every one of them was shouting, remember the Alamo. And that was a, a call to righteousness. And, of course, as always, I guess Sam Houston... Wormed his way to the top and let old Sandy Annie go, just like Saul did with some of his booty. And it came back to bite us on the rear end later on. They should have hung Santa Anna, but he sent him back to Mexico. And then Sam Houston should have been hung for doing that. So I'm still mad about all that. Yeah. Well, uh, would you like to pray us out? Sure, yeah. James uh, sent a message that he was going to log out here a few minutes ago, so uh, he already has. And um, um, so he wrote a couple additional notes and said... uh, um, Teddy has Judaism ancestry, and I mentioned that, but he said bloodline after that. He says, yes, we will know them by their fruit, but it's good to know what tree it fell from. Yeah. And, uh, um, um, That's a good point. Uh, yeah. But the, Well, I don't know. I'm one of these people that... Huh? There's power in the blood, and the blood of Jesus Christ is what I'm talking about. Right, and and 
you know, the thought about um, knowing what tree it fell from. Um, I'm one of these people that has often said, even going back to the Patriot days, you know, we can talk about everything that's happening or whatever to us and who it is, in fact, even that we know is doing it or whatever. Uh-huh. And and so that's kind of like, you know, knowing where it fell from. Well, I said it in the Patriot days. We already know, you know, what this system is. We already know it's, it's a corrupted uh, system that has developed out of this this constitutional government. So really, it's not that I care to know what tree it fell from. Frankly, I know the tree that I am of and that I am from and that I am supposed to be holy toward and to hold in truth and righteousness and that I'm supposed to go forth in that power. And this is the age-old problem. If Israelites could understand and have the knowledge that they should be able to understand and have, they'd be able to go forward in the power that Christ told them to go forward in. But we're cowering constantly in fear as a people. And I've had this conversation and told you about it. You know, some of the brethren looked at me and said, well, Doug, you're one of those guys that stands there in the camp and says, all right, let's just all run out there and shoot. You know, that's not a very good strategy. Well, I've never said that. I've never even implied that that's the way we should do it. But we can't get together on the simplest of things. We can't agree on the simplest of things, which is, The Lord is our strength and power. Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, the God of this creation, if his name is Yahweh, if it's not Jesus Christ, if we're not supposed to be using that name, you know, we've had books and tracts written on no other name but Jesus. Uh, You know, we've had all these different things. Uh, And so what is his name? What the, the thing is, He's the God of this creation. He's the God of Jacob Israel. And yes, I agree that his name, translated out of the Bible, basically, conferred into Lord and other titles rather than the name Yahweh. And if that can be believed, and it is true and accurate, then again, our God showed us that he knows his people. And he came that they would have life and have it abundantly, that they would be redeemed and brought back unto him as, a, as their God. <clears throat> and these are the things that we know. And we can't go forward in the strength. Just as he said to Gideon, when Gideon says, you know, well, wait a minute, um, you know, I am fewest and... and uh, least in my family's, you know, line. And and he says, you know, and, and he comes out and says, where are all the miracles that our forefathers told us about? And God simply says, go in this your strength. You kind of sit there and go, huh? What? What do you mean? 
go in that strength. Go in the strength that you are the God of creation, God. You are the one who has these provided these miracles. Go in that strength. But, Russell, we can't get anybody to go in that strength because we're too busy fighting the devil. Uh-huh. Well, I'd like to make this comment before we go. And I, I'm just very skeptical. Ancestry.com is making people all over the United States think they're part Negro, part Indian, part Japanese, part Chinese. And and we probably both think we know who's behind Ancestry.com, what group of people, but uh, I've been told that it's the Mormons behind it all. And boy, isn't that a just group. You've read about Joseph Smith and how righteous he was. Yeah. So uh, that's just a point of... uh, uh, nobody's going to send me a phony letter and tell me, oh, I can see here you're 90% Negro and 10% Spanish. Because somebody says that from a... Would you really trust these online people? Just like the guy from Nigeria that just wants a million dollars to get out of his farm. I mean, look at all the chicanery on the Internet. And I'm seeing people, one of my own family. So I got my DNA results back. Uh, I wasn't this or that. You know, I'm not Jewish. (laughs) I just said, are you kidding me? How much did you pay for that? (laughs) I couldn't have told you that for free. Yes. <laughs> but then he told you you, were, you he was part Indian, huh? <laughs> I don't remember what he said. I was just really disappointed he sent money to some place up in the sky to find out what his real ancestry was. And the cloud or whoever it is sends it back. Who's controlling them, Doug? Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I I wouldn't want to send my DNA out because uh, that's pretty much letting them know uh, where the true Israelite resides. Uh, I mean, talk about, about, you know, really opening yourselves up. Um, But, you know, if they trust in the Lord, uh, when that day comes, should it come, because Israel won't stand firm and and reject these uh, wicked and evildoers, then uh, when that day comes, he's going to have to stand before the Lord and confess his name loudly and boldly so that um, he's cleared and absolved. So um, it's uh, it's still, to me, the big picture, Russell, that he's wanting us to believe and to trust in him. And I see it from beginning to end. And he tells me not to fear anything. But what synonymous with believe is obey. Yeah. And action. 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 Behavior. 
behavior, you know, you know as well as any. Uh, we've talked about it. We've seen people in the ministry talk of this game, haven't we? Yeah. We've seen a group full of men pray earnestly, favorably, and then two days later be told they didn't know how to pray. So it's a... Uh, it's, it's a struggle, but uh, I'm going to go to, i got to get up early in the morning, so. Well, we'll close here in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again, Father, for the opportunity to fellowship. And Father, I do pray your blessing upon the King family as they continue in their work, their days. Father, I ask that you continue to bless the extended household as it grows and continue to lead and guide and direct them in all their doings and goings. Father, do put Isaac and Joanna before you in prayer, Lord. They're they're looking to to expand their family, and we would like that as well. So, Father, I do ask and a blessing be bestowed in that regard, and and ask that you would uh, favor them with with that which is their desire and the Lord they they yeah. do love you desire to serve you mm-hmm. they went for the altar uh, trusting in you committing themselves to you mm-hmm. so Lord it's, it's my prayer that you would honor their their union with this blessing of extending their family and Father I do continue to Pray for the remnant, Lord, asking that you continue to keep them close to you in protection. Father, I pray for this country and that which leads this country. Father, I pray that you continue to to work within the entire lot of them to do that which is required to be done and that you will just all of a sudden turn people without any conscious of their own to that which is right and that you will make them the instruments of your will in spite of their natures and I do pray Lord that we would give to our children and our children's children an inheritance that would be a nation that turned itself back to God I pray this, Father, in the blessed holy name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for him, the gift you gave us of your redeeming Son to bring us back to you. Father, I just ask it all that we might live according to your will. Amen. Amen. Well, all right, Kitty Pies, we'll have to catch up with you again next week and see what you've learned. Okay. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. What is going?